Danny, how you doing, man? He tasks me. He tasks me, and I shall have him. I'll right. chase him round the moons of Nibia <laughs> and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. Well, I'm sir, glad to know that's how you're doing. Sir, this is a McDonald's. Uh, can, can... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. Do you ever get like that if there's like a big fly in your room? You're like, ah, oh, he tasks me. <laughs> no, I do know exactly what you mean. It's, um... Yes. <laughs> it's, you know when there's a spider? We've got this, like, spider grabber, which I can only des- describe as, like, a litter picker, but instead of having two pinchy things, it has, like, sort of a... Like, about a, about a dozen pinchy things that all sort of coalesce into the middle. And yeah. they're kind of flexible, so it doesn't squish the spider. You just kind of grab it and then throw it out the window sort of thing. Um, yeah. So, but... In theory, it's brilliant, because whenever a spider mm-hmm. is on a rigid surface, like a wall or a desk, you can just stand, like, two or three meters away, and then reach in with the spider grabber, grab it, and chuck it out the front door. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> but the other thing is when it's me and Monica are competing to catch the spider first, because if she catches oh. the spider, there's a fighting chance she'll try and eat it, which I don't know if it's good for her, but it, 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 can't, it, it can't be as good as, like, cat food. Surely, no, it can't be. Yeah. It can't be a regular part of of, of cat's diets. I genuinely no. don't believe. Um, um, so sometimes I'll see her knocking stuff about on the floor, and I'm like, "Don't you fucking eat that spider!" And I have to run into the <laughs> other room, get the spider grabber, and grab the spider that's like, "Thank you for saving me." And then I throw it out the window into <laughs> the rain and the snow, and it's like, "You bastards!" <laughs> so yeah, um, from one hot, glory hell. To a frozen wasteland. That's yeah, the spiders yeah. in my house. That's what they live in. Wow, what a what a nice life. Um, <laughs> no, that you you get you get like that when you need to get uh, Monica to the vet. Oh you Jesus! Know, yeah, I do. When she's running, she tasks me. <laughs> she's. I just told you before we started recording. She's going on um, Thursday because it's like a vaccinationy thing. Cats have two vaccines and then like a booster every year. She's going yep. for the second half on Thursday, and I'm just not looking forward to it. Um, no. It's Monday, and I feel like I'm already emotionally preparing for the, oh, the toll yeah. that Thursday will take. Because, like, I have to try and trick her to go downstairs so that I can close all the doors upstairs. Because when she's upstairs, it's the only place I can't get her, is if she's yeah. under the bed or behind a desk. Or... But if she's downstairs, I can chase her somewhere where I can grab her. Oh, it's like a whole thing. But, you know, oh. after Thursday, she won't have to go for a year, so nobody will have to put up with my stories about the cat screaming at me. So that's good. It's the greatest cat and mouse chase ever, <laughs> where the cat is a mouse. Yeah, the cat is um, a mouse, and yeah. and the mouse um, is a human. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, but before, you know, we go any further, let's spin the wheel mm-hmm. of, uh, of bullshit, and we can figure out what's, what's on the topic for today. Movie bloopers. Movie bloopers, God. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about um, movie bloopers, Dan. Have you seen some good ones recently? I have. I Ooh. I really like I, I really like movie bloopers. I think mm-hmm. that they're an integral part of, of most films. I mean obviously some of them don't work, you know? Like if if there was movie bloopers for fucking I don't know. Um, Schindler's list or something? I think I would Yeah, that that, that bloopers I don't know how that would um yeah, yeah. I don't know how that would uh, that would go down. Um, yeah, yeah. It might it badly. Might cla- I imagine. Yeah, it might clash tonally a little bit. Um, just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just playing to over the it- credits. I just sorry. Uh, bloopers for Schindler's List. It's like a really serious, sad, heartfelt film. It's like Liam Neeson's really emotionally powerful monologues and stuff. Then the yeah. bloopers is like a really upbeat pop song where it's like Liam Neeson fucking up his lines and going, Oh, duh. Oh, oh. you knew I was going to do that, didn't you, Gary? Hey. Ah, he's laughing at me behind the camera. Ah, yeah. Like it's, yeah, that... yeah. I've just, like, yeah. did you ever watch Evan Almighty with Steve Carell and, and, and loads of other people? Just like yes. how that's like a film that happens and it's not a great film, but it's an okay film. Um, and then there's um, the bloopers that play over the credits and I just imagining like other more serious films like that like um i don't know it's alien and there's like a take where the alien's bearing down on sigourney weaver and then the actor inside the alien farts and everybody cracks up (laughs) laughing 
I don't know. It's, it's just there's something weird about if every film you went to see had bloopers playing over the credits, it would be going to the cinema would be a very different experience. I think. Yeah, I would. I would say so. Um, I want to. Uh, like, I was in a. I was in a film called uh, The Wee Man. Mm-hmm. It's a, a gangster film, and I was about eleven at the time, and I was like, "Can we? Can we have bloopers at the end?" Hmm. It's like about a serious fucking gangster who's like, we weren't allowed to film in Glasgow because the police wouldn't let us. Uh, can we have a uh, can we blippers at the end where I uh, <laughs> uh, said snow snotter instead of snowdropper? Um, yeah. Do you know what a snowdropper is? I don't know what a snowdropper is. It's someone who goes into someone's garden and steals people's clothes. Okay. Um. Yeah. So there's a wee to, fact to for what you. end? To 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 clothe other people for masturbating with for yeah, I think people with. <laughs> I think it's normally um, normally uh, a, a sexual female thing. yeah female garments that they're that mm. they're angling for. Um, it's concerning that there's a slang term for that because that implies it happens a lot. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I I don't want to imagine that happens a lot. I want to imagine that's like an isolated incident. Do you know what no, I mean? Sadly not. Um, it's an mm, industry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like an underground black market industry. Wait, right, yeah. here's a question. When you were a kid and they used to mention like the black market in movies or, or cartoons and stuff, did you also imagine there was like like a an underground sort of yes. commerce hall with people with like stalls that say nuclear weapons, buy one, get one free and things yep. like that. And there'd be like guys with like just stacks of missiles just like, if you buy this dozen... I'll put in a, a Hellfire missile for free or whatever. I just I just used to imagine um, the the underground bit in uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh my god, it's been so long since I've seen the Hunchback of Notre, Notre Dame. There, yeah. there was an underground bit in that movie. Yeah, they're, they're in the sewers and all that, and then like, um, the, the 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 guards find them, and it's like... It's actually quite a dark film for a Disney film, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, it is. The, it's because um, I didn't see it until not recently, but fairly recently, and um, it really shocked me when the villain of the film literally sort of like, yeah, I kind of want to kill this child. That was his plan at the start. Was yeah, I want to kill this child, and then later on, yeah. he's just like, yeah, and then I want to have sex with this lady. I want to try and manipulate her into having sex with me. It's like. This is a Disney film, right? This is yeah. really fucked. Yeah, and he's like he's like a sort of incredibly uh, faithful guy. Like yeah. you know, he's he's into I love Catholicism yeah. and all that. And then and there's an entire song dedicated to him saying, "If she won't sleep with me, I'll burn her at the stake." Exactly. Like, How fucked is that? What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. It's like it's it utterly insane and terrifying and horrifying. Yeah. Um, I don't even... I barely remember it. What, did the gargoyles come alive in that film? That's right, they did, yep. Yeah, okay. We're having... This is a weird... This is like a live-action therapy session. I'm like... <laughs> I'm trying to recall memories of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and you're like a therapist, and you're like looking at me over your glasses, <laughs> jotting things down with a pencil and saying, and then what happened, Lewis? Then what happened in The Hunchback of Notre Dame? So... The gargoyles blog, came alive. The gargoyles, they came alive! They um, spoke. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's a, I I couldn't imagine bloopers on that film. Um, on on the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. Did it's you remember when too... Pixar used to um, animate bloopers for their films? Yeah, like Toy Story, yeah. and they did it for uh, Monsters Inc. as well. Yeah, that's right. That's how cool is that? It's like that is deliberately cool. animating some bloopers to play. It's it's just it feeds into the illusion. So I suppose it's good for kids, but it's also like a. A sort of a wink joke for adults. It's really nice. I like it. Yeah, definitely. Or uh, did you see the movie bloopers of a liar liar? I did not see the movie bloopers of liar liar. They're pretty funny because you know Jim Carrey is yeah. qu- quite f- quite funny on his own. So it is just him for five minutes, uh, you know, <laughs> making weird faces and, and yeah. It's um, it's one of my favorite lines from that movie is um. Was it his dad? Because obviously he can't lie, so he tells his son, and then his son says to him, um, are people beautiful on the inside? And he goes, no, that's just something um, 
something ugly people say or something. And he says, okay, so what do ugly people do? And he says, well, lots of people make a good career that way. And he kind of gently looks towards the camera like um, I pull faces for a living. That's my <laughs> entire job. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I always kind of thought that was a very a weirdly self, um, self-knowledgeable self joke to throw in as a, as a half-assed line. It was weird. Yeah. Or like when, when, when uh, his secretary is leaving mm. because she just can't stand him anymore. And, and she's like... Um, Mr. Reed, my friend, was robbed by a burglar. He climbed up onto the roof and fell through it and uh, hit his arm and broke his arm on the kitchen counter. And then he sued her for $10,000. Is that justice? And he's like, no, I'd have gotten 15. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and what's fucking dread? And he's like, no, 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 I didn't mean it. Ask me again. Ask me. Again. <laughs> No, that's good. Um, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm looking at weird pictures of Notre Dame now. It's like... Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> sorry, I, I, I've Googled the hunchback of Notre Dame underground. And obviously because it kind of burned down and then burned back up again or whatever happened. Um, so now there's just bits of pictures of Notre Dame. It's um, it's the Court movie. of Miracles, I think it's called. Court of Miracles. Christ, that's a bit self-serving. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's Come a here little if you bit, want you know, I mean, I mean, don't get a big head, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dust just looks like you know people with tents trading stuff, and that's you know that's cool, mm-hmm. that's fine. But I don't know if that's a fucking miracle. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So uh, um, what have you been up to in the last week? I, I feel like not quite sated on enough bullshit. Have you done anything ridiculous? Um, not really. <clears throat> okay, uh, good times. Oh, <gasps> Eurovision happened. Did you watch uh, it? No, I didn't. Oh, I love Eurovision so much. It's brilliant. Wait, who, wait, who won? Um, Italy. Italy won. Okay. Yeah. It's um they the thing I love about Eurovision is the utter unpredictability of it because always the first few bands come out and they're like actually taking it seriously. And they'll, like, do a couple of upbeat pop songs that are like, oh, that could win, oh, that's quite catchy, oh, that's a bit more moody, oh, that's quite good. And then the fourth or fifth person comes out and does something completely tonally different. Like, it's either a heavy metal singer or it's somebody that's just not taking it seriously at all and clearly just does not give a shit. Like, um, Ukraine, whenever they participate in Eurovision, they always, um... Like, when they get through to the finals. They, their act is always really weird. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's just bizarre. I mean, I never really... I know I know that you really like it. Yeah. Um, and I know that that Will Ferrell film was mm. an attempt to win me over. But it just, mm. you know... Yeah, the Will Ferrell film, it's not an accurate representation of what Eurovision is. I think it's like a... It's a, it's a human story that happens to take place near Eurovision sort of thing. Yeah. The actual Eurovision is a very different experience because you sit there for about six hours and very little happens. Like, um, <laughs> the first sort of hour or hour and a half, you're watching the sort of 40 acts play their song. And you're like, oh, oh, that was good. Oh, that was bad. And, like, Chloe and I always keep track. And we sort of say, like, oh, that was a five out of ten. That was a seven. That was a eight. That was a nine. Oh, that was a nine and a half. That was really good. Or, or whatever it might be. Um, and then they just um, they open the lines so you can vote. Um, and we don't vote because I I don't want to call some random number and and waste a load of my money on that. But like, yeah, <laughs> they they essentially they just play a load of random crap. Then like um the the whatever the host country is normally the winner from the previous because whoever wins Eurovision hosts it the next year. So whatever the host country is, their winner who won the previous year will usually play a couple of songs then. And you're like, yeah, great, you were good last year. Don't really care about you now that much. So, so if you if you host it, you can't win it. Um, no, you can. can. You oh. can. You just have to host it two years in a row. Oh. Which okay. I think the cost of doing that is insane. So people generally don't. But I think yeah. you could, in theory, do it. Um, it was really close this year, uh, Eurovision was. Because the way the voting system works is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> they have what they call <laughs> professional juries in each country. I don't know what makes them professional juries, but they are described repeatedly by everybody at Eurovision as professional juries and then they vote um on the acts and you get to give i think it's 12 10 8 and then 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 points to acts like sort of respectively um and you'll have like a celebrity from whatever country it might be will come on to um 
like for us this year, for some reason, it was Amanda Holden. Last year, it was Rylan. And right. they, they say, oh, we give uh, the, this is London calling. UK gives their 12 points for Eurovision to whatever it was. I think we gave them to France. I can't really remember. Um, and you can't vote for yourself, obviously. No, you can't vote for yourself. Um, and Fucking rip-off. Yeah. <laughs> but then that gets that's really interesting because the, the the juries are always sort of vote for who is clearly sort of a very talented singer and this year i think it was switzerland and france were like sort of really level pegging throughout the entire thing they were both really good um yeah. just in terms of technical ability but chloe and i ranked their performances quite low because they just weren't very enjoyable but yeah. like italy who actually did win they got quite a lot of jury votes because they were skilled and we quite enjoyed their performance as well. Um, but then they have the public vote, where you can get something utterly insane. Like, you can get 400 votes, sorry, 400 points in the public vote, which just completely upends the leaderboard. It's a ridiculous system, but it's yeah. really entertaining. <laughs> um, the UK um, entry for this year was actually really good. Um Sometimes, like, because we've never, we don't win Eurovision. So usually we just send someone a bit crap. But um, this year he was really good. Uh, he, I've completely forgotten his name. I've completely blanked on it. Um, but he, he came out and did a song. And um, Chloe and I both really enjoyed it. I know obviously we're biased because we're in the UK. But yeah, we really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And the juries awarded him zero points. Nobody wow. scored him any points at all. Why and then, don't we win? Uh, because everybody hates the UK. Oh, I, know, I know that sounds like I'm being contrite, but that's genuinely the case. Um, and then the public vote opened, and we were expecting maybe they'll get one or two um, votes just for like, um, oh yeah, he was quite good, but he was a bit better than this, and he was a bit better than this. Yeah, we'll give him a couple of votes. Just a one point or a two point or something. And zero again, points. zero points. Overall, both public and the jury vote, he got zero points. Um, but it was really quite inspiring in a funny way, because he was there in the crowd. And um, they will cut to him when it said, and uh, the United Kingdom receives zero votes. And um, he, like, sort of stood up and he was like, yeah, yeah. And he, like, took a bow and he, like, sort of threw Aww. his beer about. And he was, like, he was having a really great time and he was working That's the lovely. crowd. He's like, I'm just so happy to be here, sort of thing. Um, That's nice. Yeah, it was quite that's nice. It, yeah. that's, that's really the best way to handle it, isn't it? You know? Yeah, definitely. That, that's the thing I like about Eurovision, is people seem to realise that it's fairly low stakes in a weird way. Yeah, and it's like, all for um, fun. Yeah, it's, it's all for fun. They just kind of enjoy being there. And yeah. Um, But yeah, the winners, Italy, they got some insane number of public vote points, um, as well as their fairly sort of impressive jury votes, which um, put them, I think they were over 100 points ahead of the person in second place. Uh, so they won by quite a large margin, um, and it was quite impressive and all that. Um, two things have happened, which were quite contentious. Um, Eurovision, I think... I forget who the big five nations are, but they, they supply enough money to Eurovision that they are automatically guaranteed a place in the final. Um, uh -huh. I know the UK is one, I know France is one, I, I can't remember the three others. Um, but Russia takes part, and that's why I mentioned the big five. I think Russia might be one of the five. Right. Oh, no, Chloe's just told me that Russia is not one of the five. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Russia were in the final. Hello, Chloe. <laughs> yeah, Chloe, Chloe's over there. Uh, but yeah... Um, Russia were in the final and they did their song. So the, the song contest was broadcast in Russia. Um, and the Italian band, two male members of the band, kissed in part of their final performance after they'd won. So that was like... I remember watching and being like, oh, God, this is broadcast in Russia, isn't it? I wonder if that's going to have some weird uh... Moscow uproar or something. I just, It's not very contentious in any way. I just thought it was an interesting thing to consider. Um, yeah. And the other dramatic thing is... Pretty much immediately after Italy won, we were like, oh, that was good, and the show ended. And then Chloe and I both checked Twitter, and there's loads of videos of the lead singer of the band doing coke. Or what appears to be him doing coke in the oh. sort of um, the audience as he was watching some of the other contestants. So people are like, come on now, he's clearly doing coke. Because he sort of ducks his head down, and he sort of goes behind... I mean, it appears to be a fruit bowl, but I doubt it's a fruit bowl. I think it's like a, a thing you put like a bottle of wine in. Like, you know, they have like buckets full of ice that you put a bottle of wine in. I think it's that. Yeah. Um, but he sort of ducks his head behind that, so you can't actually see what he's doing. Um, but he sort of, you see his head go down, move to the side, and come back up. And so the the I think a lot of people are like, well, he, he must have been doing coke. Um, oh my god! <laughs> unconfirmed. They've said they'll do a drug test to prove that they were not. Um, right. I don't know if they have or haven't. Um, but yeah, there's contention about whether or not 
if if the drugs test if they were doing drugs whether they'd get to keep the trophy and italy would still host next year or whether it would go to the person the country in second place which was france yeah france were in second place um i thought you were gonna say uh they'll, they'll decide whether he gets to keep the drugs after <laughs> <laughs> right okay you've had a lot but you know I'll let yeah, you they'll do a drugs test and say, okay, you you are off your face, and therefore, keep out of them. Have a big night. Go on. <laughs> Go no, on, I you've earned think... it. <laughs> no, I don't think that's that's up for debate. But, um, no. yeah, Eurovision is a spectacular sort of event. I know you didn't enjoy the Will Ferrell movie. I think I liked COVID Piers is... Brosnan in it. Piers Brosnan was very good in that, yeah. yeah I know he, that you he... might think I'm drunk, but I'm not. I'm dead sober. <laughs> Yeah, and he was he was he was he was pretty good looking in that film. Yes, Piers Brosnan. He's he's a dish and a half, isn't he? He's because yeah. he he was handsome when he was younger, but he's aging like a fine wine. It's True. really bizarre. Um, the beard, the whole ornery sea captain thing, really yeah. works for him. It's really it's weird. It's yeah. But yeah, one year when COVID has died down a bit, we need to have a Eurovision party and get you involved because. I genuinely think that the process of sitting down and watching Eurovision, it's more of a social evening event type situation. It's not like, yeah. um, it's not at all like the movie is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Well, that, it's, it's... If, 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 it's, if it's nothing like the film I'm in. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not like that at all. Actually, speaking of the film, Iceland this year were really good. Um, I gave them the highest, my highest score of the night, nine and a half. Um, they did like a really upbeat pop song. Um, I think Graham Norton, who commentates, said um, it was about the lead singer meeting his wife, and they've been together for ten years. So it was like, oh, we've been together for ten years. Well, hey, um, oh. something about that. I think. Um, but yeah, it was like really upbeat and just sort of good and enjoyable. Um. But the thing... Oh, gotcha, that was what I wanted to tell you. The person that announced Iceland's jury votes, you know, in the Will Ferrell movie, how there was that guy at the bar that was saying, play Ya Ya Ding Dong! Play Ya Ya Ding Dong! <laughs> yeah. uh, they got that guy to do it. So um, he was Aww. he came on and he was like, oh, my our 12 points from Iceland go to Ya Ya Ding Dong. And they say, no, no, you can't. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, clearly it's a rehearsed bit. But um, yeah. you can't give it to Ya Ya Ding Dong. Who do you really give your points to? Um, and he was like, oh, we're fine. We give them to, I don't know, Finland or whatever it was. Yeah, that's quite funny. Yeah, it's, um, yeah I, I, I really love Eurovision. I know it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where I think you have to sort of embrace the insanity of it. Like, um, I think you'd struggle to watch Eurovision dead sober. Um, or or if, if something dramatic had happened in your actual day-to-day life. If you were sad for any reason, you'd struggle to watch Eurovision. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll I'll definitely get involved next time as yeah. long as as long as it's nothing like the film. It's, it's so not like far the film, removed. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but are you are you sated on I'm, enough I'm bullshit? I'm sated now. I've spoken at great length about Eurovision. I am yeah. I'm overjoyed. I am thrilled. I am still riding the Eurovision high. Well, Eating loads let's... of crap food, doing some drinking, watching Eurovision. It's good. Yeah. It's a good time. Well, let's bring you right back down. To <laughs> yeah, let's get me really <laughs> depressed and sad. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Iceland! You know, because like, he shouts a name in the film. He shouts Khan, yeah, but Iceland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that works. That's, I'll, 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 I'll accept it. Doesn't fuck. Um, okay, so <laughs> this you week... the joke. You I know. To make a joke and then say, no, that doesn't fucking work. It, do- it does. Have you ever... Have you ever... Um, have you ever... Uh, I can't think of a comparison, but it's my mistake. Uh, it's up to me to clean it. Um, <laughs> no, but that's like somebody going on stage, like a stand-up going on stage, getting their jokes wrong, and then saying, oh, sorry, that was wrong. This is what the joke was actually supposed to be. <laughs> the most you'll get is a polite titter out of the audience as they go, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's a funny wet play on words. I suppose. Yeah, but... Do you know what I mean? I wasn't replacing it, though. I was just saying, just, it was a mistake. I shouldn't have said it. I wasn't going, oh, ha-ha, here's a better one. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so. okay. Well, you've, I'll give you an opportunity now. Have a better one, if you can think of one. A, a monosyllabic Eurovision nation. Um, France. Yeah. France! That works, sort of. Yeah, so we're talking about Star Trek 2. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> we're talking about um, Star Trek 2, The Wrath of uh, France. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, the French the- Eurovision entry is played by Ricardo Montalban. Yep. 
<laughs> no, go on. Quite right. Uh, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Fine. Uh, and uh, it was written by uh, Jack B. Sowards, and it was directed by Nicholas Meyer, and is starring William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, Ricardo uh, Montalban, uh, Kirsty Alley, uh, DeForest Kelly, and George Takai, and some other people. Yeah, buckets of people in this. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's, um, that's the thing I, I do find is like a lot of the time, really good movies will either have a cast of like three people because they're a stage play filmed kind of. Yeah. Or they'll have a cast of 300 people and you couldn't possibly hope to remember them all. Yeah. but it, Like it 1917, works. that had such a huge army of people in it. Yeah, and it had, I think it had every British actor, apart from, you know, me and <laughs> Every you, British actor yeah. ever, yeah. <laughs> they saw us, they listened to the podcast and went, oh, fucking hell, no, let's, let's not have them two idiots in. Yep, every every single British actor is in that film, except mm-hmm. Lewis Ian and McKellen, myself. he's in it. Yep. Sir Patrick Stewart, uh, he's in it. Serene McGowan, yep. even. Yeah, they're all in it. Oh, 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 Serene, don't... <laughs> in case he hears you. I mean. he, yeah, well... Yeah. I met him once. I, I mean, I must have told this story. Yeah, I met him. He was great. Was he? Yeah, he was cool. He um he did this um tour of the UK for his 80th birthday. Uh, oh, yeah, I think you have of, said that. Yeah, it was like going and watching his memoirs live. But yeah, afterwards he like stood ah. in the foyer and collected money to donate to the theatre sort of thing. Um, yeah, I met him, shook his hand, he was really cool. I think he was, yeah, he stood in the foyer, collected money with a gun in his hand. <laughs> yeah, he stood in the foyer, collected money, and then we went outside uh, to go and get in the car. We saw him go from the theatre to the Greggs next door, put a bucket of money on the counter and say, I will have every steak bake in this place, please. That's a, that, would, that, would have been, that would have been a good uh, spending spree of that money. Um, I've never had a steak bake for obvious reasons. Are they as good as people seem to think they are? No. No. Okay. No. They're, they're, they're good, but they're not, mm. like, you know, amazing. I'll um, tell you what is fucking banging. Greg's used to do a raspberry and cranberry water. Um, it was like a sugar-free drink that was just really fucking good. I was filming... Um, I was filming, what was it? It was Stepping Up, um, a, a series I did quite a few years ago in Liverpool. And yeah. there was a Greg's sort of down the road from the hotel that I was staying in. And um, I remember going into this Greg's and buying exorbitant quantities of this water because it was just so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then what walking back to the hotel laden with the water. It just tasted amazing. You know how cranberry-flavoured things are often have quite a dry taste? And you drink them and you're like, oh, that needs a bit more water in this water um yeah. it didn't have a dry taste at all it wasn't overly sweet it was zero added sugar i think it was like zero calories it was just really good um it- i think about it sometimes and sometimes like whenever i see a greg's <laughs> i sort of look in the greg's and it's, they never have it it's really sad i can just imagine you walk by looking at a greg's forlornly like oh that's a shame oh uh, they don't have any of the, the raspberry and cranberry water i'm sad now I don't even think there's a Greg's near my house. No, no, there isn't. I'd have to walk for quite a while to get to a Greg's. I can imagine myself going on like a pilgrimage to the nearest Greg's, walking for like two hours, getting there and being like, do you have any raspberry and cranberry water? <laughs> uh, no, sir. We discontinued that in 2016. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd just vomit on the floor and, and pass out. And oh, jeez. Die. Christ. Yeah. Right, well, let's... <laughs> Let's get started before we okay. fucking... I mean, <laughs> half an hour in with no... <laughs> um, uh, do you have an opening statement? I do. Greg's Raspberry and Cranberry Water <laughs> is perhaps... Um, <clears throat> a great example of some of Trek's greatness is human stories in a stupendous sci-fi setting. Mm, One of you got a cheeky statement. Yes, um, an excellent, exciting, thought-provoking film that brings back a one-off villain and turned him into one of the most iconic characters in movie history. Thoroughly enjoyed watching. Yeah, it's a good one, this. It's um, yeah. it's, it's widely regarded as one of the best Star Trek films of all time. Um, yeah. I remember <laughs> I first watched this uh, when I was about 13, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been watching the Chris Pry- Chris Pine, <laughs> Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto Star Trek movies, and yeah. um, I said I really like this. And I said to my dad, who's a who's a big fan of Star Trek, what other Star Trek should I watch? And I'll, I'll watch some with you. I, th- I think I quite like it. 
and he, he we sat down and watched this and it sort of killed my love of star trek stone dead because oh, it really? was like comparatively it was like really slow oh, and like yeah. I, I didn't know any of the characters and i was like i mean it's okay i guess um but yeah looking back at it now it's really good it's um as i say it's some of the things that make star trek great appear in this um and i think you know maybe the pacing and the over explaining there is better star trek out there i would argue but yeah. i do like this movie I mean, I think I think that's what separates Star Trek from Star Wars. Like Star Wars has always been about the sort of explosive um, action stuff, whereas Star Trek has that, but there's more quiet, yeah. contemplative stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, there's that... What's that episode of TNG um, where it's literally just Picard in a village playing a flute for the entire episode? Yeah, it's like stuff maybe like that. maybe this maybe we should remember this planet by playing this flute. And do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's it's almost a bit like Doctor Who in that sense. It can take mm-hmm. liberties to be a bit experimental, and you know, do do stuff rather than just space battle. You know, <laughs> space um, battle one, space battle two, <laughs> space battle three. It's a film put together by an algorithm. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, do you know what I just did, Danny? I, I voiced my opinion on, on this film. And I would you... say that perhaps as a patron... Pa- patron? As a patron, patron perk. Um, yes, patron. It's so like is that um, a, a robot. Yeah, it does. As a patron perk, maybe we should voice some of our patrons' opinions on this movie. Yes. Um, Dougie, of course, uh, recommended this movie to us, which is uh, the reason why we're talking about it today. Um, yeah. And I've got uh, one of his opinions just here. Um, it's probably the best of the entire franchise. Nicholas Meyer, the director, said that he and the producer, Harve Bennett, brought equal amounts of respect and disrespect to Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future, and that's why it worked. Wow. Um, Aditya says, I just found out that Star Trek, one of the biggest media franchises by revenue. I've never considered it, but I suppose, yeah, that does make sense. When you add it all up, yeah, that, that's, yeah that's a lot of stuff. Because I can't imagine a lot of, like, wharf action figures ever got sold. But, no. like, Worf plus Spock plus Janeway plus... Do you know what I mean? You add them all together. Yeah, or you look on, like, Eagle Moss and you see like, all the ships in mm, and, and mm. resin, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and also... And how many again, shows? From, oh, fucking I'm, more than so anyone can ever name. There was the original series, and they did a, a couple of series of the original series, but animated. Yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure why. I've never bothered to look into it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, they did Next Generation, Deep Space okay. Nine, Voyager, um, Voyager. Um, what's it called? The one with oh, it's like they're, they're like going out. They're the first people. Enterprise. To do... Enterprise. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Discovery, Discovery, obviously. Yeah. So six, seven. That's a whole yeah. bunch. And yeah. then there's mo- there's like a bit. How many movies are there? Oh, Christ, so many. Um, they made five or six original series movies. Um, there's the three um, reboot movies, which are called the Kelvin timeline, for yeah. assorted insane First reasons. one was good. Um, uh, second one was quite good. Third one was... Uh, I don't know what was... I didn't did really you not like, like the it? third one. No. Well, I thought it was okay. It wasn't my favourite movie of all time. I thought it was pretty good. No, I, I, I didn't like it. Yeah. Okay, um... Yeah, and what's the? They made a few uh, next generation movies as well. I think they made three or four of them. Did they? Um, yeah, they did. Oh um, my god! First Contact is the other film that's sort of. I think yeah. it's called Star Trek: First Contact. It's the other film that's vying for sort of the the top spot versus Wrath of Khan. Yeah, uh, the board queen really isn't that. One. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's Zephram Cochrane first developing faster than light travel. That's um, right. Yeah, which I mean, I've never seen it, but I um I have heard good things. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole there's a whole arc for Data, like wanting to become human yeah. and all that, and like, yeah, it's I love cool. Data so much. He's great. Yeah. It um yeah, he's my favorite. It's there's a lot of episodes of TNG where if Data wasn't involved, it would be a lot worse. Yeah. Like um, I don't know. There's just something so very charming about him. I don't know what it is. It's great. Speaking um, of speaking of Data, yeah. Um, Brett Spiner, who plays Data, also played um, an augment, which is the sort of type of person that can is an Enterprise because oh. the, you know there were multiple sort of genetically modified yeah yeah superhumans and he and he woke up as well so mm, that was very a, a interesting good, a good series of episodes but anyway let's yeah. do you have one more opinion to read I have I don't think I do I might do no I don't think I do no 
Okay, well, okay, guys. But I do want to quickly address Dougie's thing that he said here. Um, but equal amounts of respect and disrespect to Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. Um, I think that's a really cool thing to say. It's um, what's what's the words I'm looking for here? I think Gene Roddenberry had a very singular vision of the future, and I think he had this very okay. This is how things should be and how things will be, and I will will it to be so sort of thing. Yeah, um, and I think that's. It's interesting to come at that with a sort of come at a utopian sort of future and come at that in an aggressive, disagreeing sort of way and see where that takes you. I think that's a really interesting way to make a film, and I think it does sort of come through in this of what's the problem with a utopian future? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that that's my last um, opinion because it's my opinion, and I will not be voicing my opinion at all for the remainder of the episode. <laughs> Um, well, guys, thank you so much for your opinions. Yeah, thank you. Uh, if, uh, shameless plug incoming. If you want to voice <laughs> your opinion, join our Patreon today. Yeah. What we need to do is have some kind of sponsor music that's like really cheesy. Um, the kind like of advert. 1980s. Yeah. The kind of music you'd expect to hear playing under an advert that Saul Goodman makes to yeah. to sell uh, acting workshops or something. Yeah, definitely. You need that. And then whenever we do a cheeky plug, we'll just play two seconds of that music underneath it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what we really need is a is a mix, a mixing board. With yes, that's what we need. Like, like a proper radio show. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. What on, um, oh, is it Parks and Rec, where... They had two radio hosts that were just massive cocks. And um, they had, like, a guy with a mixing board that was just silently sat in the corner remixing everything that everybody said. Um, And he kept doing things at, like, a breakneck pace. And people that were being interviewed would just look at him incredulous and be like, how did you make that sound bite so quickly? I only just finished saying it. Um, So, yeah, maybe maybe we do need a sound board. Maybe we need that guy from Parks and Rec, whoever he might be. I I don't even know if he was named in the show. Maybe, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll track him down for you folks. We need to yeah, talk about yeah. this film. We're yes, forty we minutes in. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> fucking hell! Go on, voice some okay. opinions about this film. Okay, so the Kobayashi Maru uh, yes. test is a great opening to the sort of no-win yeah. scenario that they're going to face. I love the Kobayashi Maru. It's it's a brilliant. It's because it's such a stupid fucking concept, but it's it, because it's like if somebody said to you, "I think the best way to train these new recruits is to put them into an unwinnable scenario. Just see what happens. See how they deal with yeah. that." You'd go, "No, I think maybe we should <laughs> concentrate on like drills and skills. Maybe we should concentrate on what they're good at and teach them things." No, let's let's fuck them about. Let's put them in a video game where they're going to die. Oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> what did you say, Admiral? <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. Um, in some way, it's very useful because, like. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be a, a Starfleet captain, you're probably going to have you, you. The risk of you facing a no-win scenario is going to be pretty large. But then again, if we're doing like driving tests and all that, like, like the driving instructor doesn't like you know, <laughs> yeah. command me to drive off a fucking cliff. You know yeah. I mean, just it's, to it's say, but well, like, um, that could happen. Um, it's not like there's a, a bit in your driving test where, like, suddenly the um, the testing guy reaches across and just yanks the wheel and drives you into a wall. <laughs> it's just like, deal with that! That could happen any time anyone's in the passenger seat. Deal with it! Um, no, I think the Kobayashi Maru is, is a great test because it's... It plus, plus, it's sort of... It's part of Kirk in a weird way because obviously Kirk cheated when he did his Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. Um, and I think it that... It sets up something wonderful about other characters to know that they they don't want to cheat, but they don't want to not cheat. Yeah, and it sort of encourages lateral thinking and doing what you can, and I really like it. Yeah, um, it's treated differently in this timeline than the the Kelvin timeline because they said that yes. it was like oh you got rewarded for for ingenuity and all that, but in the Kelvin timeline it was like <laughs> oh you, you cheated and yeah it was taken up in front of like a tribunal of all the all the recruits yeah yeah and then they were like oh there's been an emergency let's all fuck off like, is that really how it works like you just wait <laughs> for a half phone resolved call? this come on guys let's hop into space <laughs> um uh Jesus Christ Khan is a great villain Khan's a really good villain yeah it's um he has this 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 simmering intensity that I think. Just, I just don't see anywhere else. He's really good, really good villain. Yeah, um, Ricardo charm. played him stupendously well. Yeah, who do you, who do you prefer, uh, uh, Benedict or Ricardo? 
I don't think it's got to be Ricardo, hasn't it? Yeah. I think um, I like. I think if Benedict Cumberbatch didn't have the voice that he has, I think him playing Khan wouldn't be as good. Does that make sense? Because yeah, I don't think but, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. I think the only thing that made that performance good was the fact that he spoke very differently to everybody else on screen. So you were like, oh, this is a man from a different era, hey. But if he's had the same voice, if he was Chris Pine's next-door neighbour, then I think he'd just be like, oh, it's just another guy, but he's more violent, I guess. Do you know what I mean? I think it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, and I feel as if in the in the Kelvin timeline, they whitewashed him a little bit, because yes, Khan is yeah. meant to have let, you know, conquered a great amount of let Asia and the Middle East mm. by the time he's put in. So that was let interesting to see let different sort of you know, ethnicities and different augments that are actually ruling the world. But, you know, okay, what we need is a posh villain, a posh posh white villain, because that will do it. I mean, it's like, it was, yeah. we've seen that before. And the reason they chose Benedict Cumberbatch was because, you know, he was he was popular at that time and he could yeah. do the sort of creepy, yeah. smarter than everyone else weirdo, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. it's it, I mean, it's... It's like getting David Tennant to play somebody that's very similar to Killmonger. Or like getting um, Giancarlo Esposito to play someone very similar to Gus Fring. Yeah. That, that's what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Look, look this version of Khan, look, the quotes that he says, the sort of, the, the mm. da- from hell's heart, I stab at thee. There's a, there's a sort of theatrical megalom- yeah, uh, yeah. megalomaniacal sort of element to it, which Almost is pretty... Almost like Megamind. Yeah. Yeah, 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 a little bit, but far more uh, terrifying. Yeah, far um, more horrifying. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I th- that's it works. I I suppose it probably wouldn't have worked in in the new films, you know, as much. Mm, but the dialogue mm. in this film is just so much. Yeah, so much faster and so much smarter. I think. Yeah, you're right. I think it's um, that's something I do like about this film is watching sort of the mental games unfold. Between yeah. Khan, Khan and... I was going to say Khan and Kirk. Yeah, Khan and Kirk, that's right. Um, I, I like watching that unfold because they're both... They both kind of know their worth in a strange way. They know yeah. what they're good at. They know what they're bad at. And they're used to playing their strengths because they're both old. They, they've both done this before in a funny yep. way. They're Definitely. both kind of used to doing this sort of thing. And it's really good to watch them do it. I don't know. Yeah. I like how... Um... The film is ultimately about Kirk uh, living up to his his past failings. Yeah, you know, yeah. He abandoned Khan on that world. He abandoned uh, his son, you know, and it's about him sort of having to deal with the, the consequences of his mm. of his actions, you know. Um, yeah. And how maybe like even even him becoming admiral, he's like he's he's sort of running away from where he actually belongs and it's it's dealing with problems and and issues head on because that's the way he that's that's the way he works and that's what's probably best for him as a yeah yeah i think um yeah that's something that i do find interesting about kirk is he's 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 played almost as though he's a dying breed of like um he's sort of um in in a world of people where people are more intellectual and people are more sort of like picard they want to sit down at a conference table and talk about it in a in a world where that's the case kirk is in the minority of people that want to just confront their problems head on yeah and just sort of what's that winston churchill quote from the crown um there is no matter that cannot be satis- satisfactorily resolved in 20 minutes or fewer yeah true uh, kirk is one of the only people that want to do that do you know what i mean yeah definitely and it's not it it's fog not... ma'am it's fog ma'am Oh, you know he's from New York. <laughs> I, I was amazed when I learned that. Yeah, that is, oh no, that's he's entirely organic. It's incredible. Have you seen him in a, a Daddy's Home too? I have not. I saw plays... him in Pitch Perfect Three. Oh well, he plays Will Ferrell's dad. Okay. In in, in uh, Daddy's Home too, and he's he's quite funny in it. You know, it's completely different from mm, mm. from uh, him playing fucking Winston Churchill. Jesus. <laughs> um, I I thought the I thought the worm scene was fucking terrifying. Yeah, like, a lot like, of there's I, a lot of things that happen in this film that are terrifying. Yeah, like, but I thought the worm was meant to kill. Uh, Ooh. At, like because Chekhov survived, right? Which is great because I love Chekhov. But look, like, yeah, isn't isn't the worm meant to like kill the pair? Look, like, Can said that it was like you, you will uh, suffer madness. 
and then death like that. Like, you mm. know, that's a good point. I don't, I don't know. Is it just a script thing? It might might just be a plot hole. Um, it might just be a cheeky cheeky plot hole as you do yeah. something cheeky cheeky prop. Um, I also like that the clothes are sort of ridiculous in this film. <laughs> yeah. I know that I know that it's it's a strange thing to like, but. I like that it's a... When did this movie come out? 1982, I think it was? I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, 1982. I like that it's a 1982 view of what people will be wearing in the future. Like, I don't know, it's something I like about it. It's it's hard to describe. Yeah, and I like how Khan and his people are sort of... aren't just wearing the classical sort of bad guy stuff. It's yeah. Like, it's 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 clothes that they've had to wear because of the environment that they're in, and they don't let stop to change, yeah, in, into some weird, you know, uh, uh, what, oh, what's his name from uh, uh, Flash Gordon? Oh, uh, I... Emperor Ming, you know, like, you yeah, know yeah, the, yeah. the the ridiculous over thing. You know, I like the fact that it's just not. I don't care what I'm wearing. I've got a mission to do, and I'm going to yeah. kill. Carp it does have that internal revenge. logic to it. You're right. It's like yeah. um, I'm just here to, to kill Kirk. I'm just here to exact my revenge, I, and he's he, he will stop at nothing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, mm. I really enjoy the game of cat and mouse, like especially at the beginning. Um, like the sort of the sort of intellectual sort of back and forth, and when Kirk mm. finally mm. realizes it's can and all that, and it's like. Those are, that's my favourite part of like Star Trek, where it's like mm. you've got, uh, you know, our guys on the ship, um, try to figure out what's going on, you know, try like and and oddly enough, the the sort of the commands that are given, it's like do this, do that. It's like it it doesn't ever change, you know. There's not mm. like a sort mm. of Deus Ex Machina that comes out from it, you mm. know. It's like it it's all there and it's all been ready-made if you know what i mean yeah it's not like uh, pull out the big laser that we've never used before like it's always <laughs> it's always like photon torpedoes or phasers or something like there's yeah, always yeah, like yeah. an internal sort of scientific logic to it mm. which i like i i couldn't agree more that's one of the things i like about star trek is the logic to the internal world building it's so rare that there's a bizarre ex machina the closest you get in a lot of trek is somebody remembering a fact about a species Be like oh shit yeah, they're like, um, they hate really loud noises, or whatever it is, and it's like, oh, well, you remember that screaming worm from the start of the episode? Well, use that now! Yep. Uh, and it's, 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 that's the closest you get, but even then, it's still, often, it's mostly things that have been set up in, within the episode, which is nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, right, Spock dies in this film. Uh, it's, he it's, does. It's a film that came out in 1982, I'm, I'm not really concerned about spoilers, but Spock dies, and they just chuck him into space? Yeah. Yeah, like, shouldn't I get taken that back to Vulcan? <laughs> yeah, Vulcan, or even Earth, because he's yeah. half half Vulcan, he's half, half human. human. Yeah. Um, but my thing about just chucking him into space is, I get that it's kind of. That's another thing I like about Star Trek is it's like a naval ship, and I I I see I like that they sort of follow naval traditions, but it's in space because it, yeah, it you can see the yeah exactly you can see the world building there of oh well, we've got these big boats in the ocean and then we've got these big boats in space do you yeah. know what i mean and you can sort of see the transition and you can build it up in your head the transition there so i get that it's like if somebody dies at sea or on like a pirate ship or something you chuck them in the ocean i get that because then they will degrade and whatever but you chuck spock out into space he's, he's not almost, gonna yeah he's almost certainly gonna land somewhere yeah, he's not going to degrade. He's just going to fly about literally forever. Yeah. So he's not going to. Yeah, I don't. It's I. I understand why they did it. Yeah, it's set up I for the next thought, film. Well, yeah, but I would have thought, wouldn't you launch him into a sun to cremate him? Wouldn't you bury him on an actual planet? Do you know what I mean? It just seems yeah. like a weird choice to just chuck him out out into space and just be like, yep, yeah, that's that that that's good. <laughs> We've nailed that. And just. Let's get back to back to work. <laughs> it would have been really ballsy if they kept uh, Spock dead. Yeah, like, yeah, you're right. You know, like just like and in, in uh, into darkness, uh, Spock talks about Khan and says, "Oh yeah, we defeated him at great cost and all that." Well, not yeah. really. Like not <laughs> if you you're still here, mate. Do you know what I mean if you yeah. obviously obviously some people died, but you know it's it's the same. It's the the red shirt thing, you know. 
Yeah, um, yeah. But like, if if Spock had like died, mm. that would have been like whoa, you know. Yeah, that's that, something different. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would have cemented Khan as like the ultimate Star sort of Trek villain. villain. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It's um the I think the problem is that because Star Trek I think is obviously inherently a TV medium, so you have that um what's that Dan Harmon cyclical narrative where. The final step is, and everything is back to how it was. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult to write a Star Trek movie without that being the case. Yeah, and definitely. that's why I think time travel often comes up is because it's easy to travel to a different time, have a self-contained adventure, and then go back and be like, well, everything's the same in both yeah. timelines. Do you know what I mean? It's definitely. difficult to to say that. You know. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that the in quotation marks superior intellect uh, is like. It's almost certainly going to cause like, an ego problem, and yes. like you know, Khan is just so fucking pissed off <laughs> that he's like, no, 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 I'm going to chase him forever, and he's going to. Let's like we, we've got this big device where we can start again. You know, we can you know we can just create a world for ourselves and all that. But no, Khan's like, no, no. he's going to got to got to chase Kirk down forever. That's the only logical outcome to this problem. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that's. I just really like this film. I I really like um yeah how it's just you know um oh no he's dead oh no he isn't oh shit what we're we gonna do now you know it's like it's yeah yeah it's very sort of pantomime in that sort of way but without it becoming ridiculous. Mm, you're right. It's um there is a lot of confusing back and forth, and I think that keeps you guessing, which is which is lovely. Another thing this film does quite well is the sort of gentle world building that I really like. Um, mm-hmm. We see the the Enterprise start to be used as like a training ship, which was always kind of coming because, yeah. of course, it was. I, th- I think I like seeing these gentle things where it's like, and then you learn a bit more of the life cycle of a starship. What's it used for? What's what happens when it gets old? What happens to different crew members when they age? What happens? To di- do you know what I mean? And yeah. I really like. I really do quite like that. No, definitely. Um, and it's a uh, it it you know it again brings this theme of like. Uh, the past and and the future that the young are sort of, you know, coming along in this journey as well. Um, yeah. Because Star yeah. Star Trek will have been like what a couple of decades old by this point. Yeah, sixty five. Yeah. Series came out. I don't know. Um, so like, there's no really better way to let like, cement the future than like killing off an old enemy and like, bringing. Nineteen sixty six. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Wow. Mm. So Doc- Doctor Who came out uh, 63, uh, was it? Or 69? Yeah. No, no, it was, no, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was after Kennedy got shot or before. When did Doctor Who start? 2005. Oh, thanks, Google. Oh. <laughs> um, 1963. Yes. Yes. Um, um, but, um, what was I saying? I have completely forgotten. Oh yeah, so um, yeah, so there's really no better way to sort of cement the sort of future of, of the next generation, as it were, uh, mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> without let's sort of getting rid of an old enemy and confronting your past and bringing along these new uh, people. I w- I do wish that we got to know them a bit more. We obviously got yeah. to know um, the the other Vulcan student a wee bit, you know. Mm. Uh, but you know that would have been nice to sort of see them sort of grow up in some way. Yeah, to see see Spock and Kirk as teachers at the academy. Well, yeah. I suppose we did, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, more so. Because mm. um, I'm just thinking of other bits of Star Trek I've watched to the end. Because in TNG, <laughs> we sort of, in, in the final episode, all good things, You sort of, there's like a time paradoxy type thing where Picard sees yeah. himself in the future and the past and all these sort of bits. Um, and he sees like... He retires from Star uh, Starfleet to go and farm grapes for wine, and um, like Data becomes poet laureate to Oxford, and it's like, yeah, yeah, um, I'm, yeah, I do like seeing. Uh, it is a good way to conclude a narrative is to say, and they have a, a finished character arc rather than, and what comes next, and what comes yeah. next, because that's what you come to expect with a TV show. And then they made Picard. Yes, uh, which I haven't actually watched. Have you watched I haven't it? Not- I haven't either. Mm, I think the general consensus is, eh. I know that Seven of Nine is in it, and the Borger in it, which is yes. pretty cool. 
Um, I think Data's in it as well, very briefly, yeah. Yeah, I like Seven of Nine. Um, I have not watched enough Voyager to comment, I'm afraid. Oh, do you need to watch Voyager. It's on Netflix, I, I think. It is. Um, I watched the first episode and thought, oh, that's good, I'll have to watch the rest of that. And, and then didn't. I just haven't got around <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, I think I am out of notes, Cocker, are you? I think so as well. Uh, mm. Do you have a closing statement? Um, I do have a closing statement. It's easy to see why this is such a good film, and it is one of the greatest Star Trek movies of all time. A really great film from simplicity to complexity to everything in between. It's just a really good movie, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we have more Star Trek uh, films <laughs> Yes, you this, can. Please? There is so much Star Trek out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, this is a really fantastic film, and I really enjoyed it. Simple as. doesn't always have to be a big profound thing sometimes it's just nice to watch a film about mm-hmm. uh you know good characters uh complex characters in space fighting each other you know yeah exactly sometimes it's just nice to watch a good movie certainly well that was a uh, star trek 2 the wrath it of Khan. yeah uh, among other things yes uh, among eurovision and all sorts of things movie bloopers and yep <laughs> yep um, so thank you so much, uh, Dougie, for, for recommending this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but, um, if you would also like to recommend things for us to do in the future, you can go to patreon.com slash shouting into the void, uh, and you can hop into being one of our patrons, and we'll put your suggestions on a list. Yes. Um, should we do some cheeky shilling? Yeah, let's shill. Yeah. Um, the podcast has link trees. Uh, Lewis's link tree is uh, linktr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mines is slash O'Hiram and the podcasts is slash shouting into the void altogether, uh, lowercase obviously. Um, we uh, have all our socials on there, our Instagram, our YouTube. Go have a look, see see what you fancy. Uh, we have a PayPal donate button, so anything we you do. can spare, anything at all would be greatly appreciated. Um, and we want to take the opportunity, as we do every week, to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons, uh, Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Sophie. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Richard. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Dougie. Thank you, one and all. You make the show possible and you make us able to talk at great length about Eurovision. Maybe one day <laughs> we will um, we'll watch Eurovision and we'll, we'll vlog it while we watch Eurovision. Yeah, maybe so. Well, we'll just we'll need to wait and see. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I'll hopefully you'll have forgotten but then uh, <laughs> uh, we also have merch on Teespring and Redbubble we sell tote bags jumpers t-shirts mugs all sorts of stuff go have a look go go treat yourself treat yourself treat um, yourself uh, yeah and last but certainly not least we are partnered with a fantastic company called Number 12 Crochet Avenue and uh, Lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them all of which are true Indeed I am. Number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife in which she crochets and she's very, very good at it. If you would like to get the latest hot things, I was going to say hot takes, but you know, uh, if you would like to get uh, beautiful content blessing your Instagram feed, then you can go to at number 12 Crochet Avenue on Instagram and take a look and there is plenty of beautiful content to go out there. So go and take a look. Give her a follow. Absolutely. Well... Uh, that's that's us, I think. That is us, yeah. Um, so, would you like to explain the plans for for next week, Lewis? Okay, so every single episode on the podcast, essentially, Danny and I like to quote an episode of Family Guy, um, because of course we do. So we've decided that once and for all, we're going to talk about Family Guy, and then we can go back to quoting it, safe in the knowledge. <laughs> that people will be like, ah, oh, yes, that confusing nonsense episode that they did. Ah, yes, good. Um, I have vaguely forgotten the plans. I think, if I'm not at all mistaken, that we said we're going to pick a favourite episode each and talk about those episodes. Is that right? That is right. Um, Wonderful. But before we do that, mm-hmm. there's going to be a storytelling into the void again. There is. Um, so we're going to do that first, and yes. then we will we will get to... To family guy and, of course uh, we will and carry on as we always mm. do mm. i'm really looking forward to doing the storytelling i've um i'm recording it later this week it's um a really Ooh. one of my favorite short stories 
um, The Donor by Claire McIntosh. It's oh, a really good nice. book. Um, I think a lot of places have it for just for a pound or so. It's really, really good. Um, so maybe go buy a copy if you want to know in advance what the story is about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I might give it a read. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, that's exciting. So um, yeah, we will uh, hear you, see you, smell you, um, chase you around the moons of Nibia. Uh, <laughs> Yep. Next time. Indeed we will. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.